all the buildings that I do, the when it's an investor, when I see they're scared, I'll tell them, get somebody, get a call, try to discuss about uh, the, the finding with uh, the seller. All the, the properties, they have a potential. Hey, it's JP. Hi, it's Excel. And you're listening to Terry Shower on the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. I'm here with actually, a, I would say, a friend of mine who and a colleague who I've been working with for a while, um, Ralph, and I'm going to let you say your own last name, Ralph. What's your last name, Ralph? Terezivan. There we go, because I always massacre it. Um, from the firm Inspexia. So Ralph is, is a founding father of the firm Inspexia. He's a, a building inspector, which you can tell from the name of his company. And what's on the agenda today is we're going to go back and forth a little bit about a recent inspection that we did on a property that I'm acquiring. So Ralph is going to tell you a little bit about his findings. I'm going to tell you then, and we're going to go back and forth a little bit about, you know, what I'm going to do with some of the stuff, how seriously I take certain things, how I filter the information Ralph gives me. If you can just tell our audience really quick um, who you are and how you got to be on the show with me having this conversation about building inspections. Sure. So I started the, the building inspection uh, profession in uh, 2011. Basically, I did over 4,000 inspections in total. Today, now I train inspectors that wish to join the AIBQ. That's the uh, Quebec Association of Building Inspectors. And lately, I've been concentrating in uh, forensic type of inspections, so uh, thermal imaging camera, uh, blower door to find uh, deeper issues, to find uh, the source and the core of the issue. So it could be about a problem related to a hidden flaw, for instance, water infiltration. So it's, uh, it's my field and uh, I love it. And we met, um, Terry, maybe uh, five, no, more than that. More than that. It's been 10 years. 10 Ralph. years. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was my second inspection. No, just kidding. <laughs> yeah. So uh, time flies, huh? Time does fly. All right, so we're here today to talk about um, a recent purchase, which uh, I'm looking at a you know a rental sixplex that construction mid '60s Montreal North, and we did the inspection I guess about a month ago now. So why don't you just sort of go over your findings, maybe pull out three to five major points or bobos that you uh, wanted me to pay attention to when we went did our walkthrough? Sure. So. The first issues uh, that we noted was uh, the brick repairs that were done. Basically, uh, we were able to see some uh, bulging area and poor repair. So the poor repair is really easy to, to notice. You'll see that uh, oftentimes the mortar is a different color, is darker, more solid, and it chips away. It crumbles. You're able to see really clearly that the mortar doesn't support properly the bricks. And oftentimes this you'll see within a few years. We noted this, there's this point. Uh, so the issue about this is uh, we don't know how well it was done. So normally, if you see a bulging area, so that means the bricks are not supported anymore properly. What's uh, holding together the portion of the wall is only the joints, the mortar joints. So the fasteners in the back are corroded or missing at that point, too badly corroded. 
So the mason has to remove the bricks, not only do the repointing, as we call it, changing the mortar joints to uh, have another more recent mortar. He has to disassemble the bricks. So you don't know how many years this will uh, sustain. So this was the first thing that I noted. So let me just, before we move on, because I think this is like a super, super important point that people who are acquiring rental properties that have been rental properties for a long time and where there's been this situation of deferred maintenance, like one of the, the most common, this is one of the most common issues we see. Why? Because brickwork is extremely expensive and because it's the kind of thing that like, first of all, there's a lot of crooked masons out there, but it's also the kind of thing that like you can ignore for a while and your tenants are not going to call you about. And so the thing to kind of the warning signs, like Ralph mentioned, you know, discoloration of joints, looking like things are sort of coming apart. Um, I would say when you're looking for like those brick bulges, the thing to understand, and this for me was a huge learning curve is to understand the way those brick walls are built. So like our houses are not actually made of bricks. Our houses are made of wood framing and the brick is tacked on outside with metal anchors. And so the anchors are encrusted in the mortar. And in that way, the wall is kind of tacked. The brick wall is tacked to the wood wall. And so what happens is over time, water gets in behind, the metal anchors get eroded, the bricks begin to sag away from the actual structure of the house. And this is, I guess, what Ralph is referring to is that we could notice on this property that, especially at the top of the walls, it looked like uh, the top third of the wall had been repointed. So there's new joints, but the sag is still there. So what that means is that either the owner was trying to save money or else the mason was crooked and they repointed but they did not dismantle the wall, put new anchors and build the wall up again. And people don't do that because it's expensive or because the masons sold them a half solution and the owner did not understand the construction of a brick wall enough to know what they were paying for. And at the beginning of my career, I got caught out with this actually on a couple of buildings where where a mason sold me a repointing job without dismantling the wall. And so it was basically a waste of money because he didn't fix the real problem. So yeah. It's actually not going to fix the issue, the source. I mean, so the source is because most apartment building, they don't have a roof overhang. So typically they will have a roof uh, overhang on the frontage. So this is where most of the time the brick walls looks the nicest because you have a protection. However, on the left, right, and in the back, so on the other facades, basically you don't have a roof overhang. And most of the time, the, the piece of uh, metal overlapping the top section of the, of the wall, you know, after a certain time, the flashing that we call is going to get loose with sometimes. So water is able to get behind the wall, the brick wall, and the fastener after maybe uh, 50 some years, then it's going to corrode. So the source is from the roof, is coming from the f- roof detail, the flashing. And there are some ways to prevent these issues to happen. You could always uh, ask the roofer to install a wood strip. So from the brick wall to the piece of metal. So at least you'll have a clearance. So the water won't go on the brick wall as much. So there's going to be a drip edge flashing that we call. So basically the water drips further away from the brick. And you could see like in Saint-Léonard, Anjou, there's a lot of uh, corniche, uh, so mm-hmm. roof overhang that's going to protect the, the bricks. And most of the time, these walls are, are well protected. And you also have, uh, you know, depending on the quality of the mason, if you go to the masonry, I mean, if you go on Verdun, you could see these areas most of the time, people were building the bricks their own, and there's a lot of porous bricks 
on the bright rear facades. On the frontages, most of the time it's going to be a nicer brick, more solid brick. But on the rest, it's going to be a weaker brick most of the time. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to bring up one more thing and then we'll move away from the bricks because we have yeah. a, a couple of other issues to, to cover. Um, but one of the other things is around the windows, right? Because you, you mentioned that water can infiltrate from the roof joints. So if your ceiling on the roof is not done properly, you can have water getting behind the brick wall. The other thing is if your windows are not caulked properly or if you have a lot of temperature variations, you often see cracking joints or uh, missing mortar below the windows. If you have not caulked your windows and doors properly um, or also around the bottom of balconies, like that's another place where wherever water can get behind the bricks, that's where you can have the anchors begin to erode. And I think on this property, we had some problems with that as well. eh? Like there were kind of these aureoli of damaged bricks underneath the windows. Yeah, and these are pretty costly fixes. Yeah, which is why a lot of owners defer that and don't yeah. do it. And when they see that it's time to redo the masonry, they're like, okay, let me sell the building. <laughs> yeah, just tell us about the next bobo. The next thing, well, you know, it was an older building. Was it in the 60s? Uh... 60s, yeah, yeah. mid-60s. Mid-60s. So we saw several cracks, but we have to question ourselves, depending on the size of the crack, if it goes along on the front brick wall as well, so it expands all the way up. But there were no way to tell if it was going on the, on the bricks because the, you know, the masonry was redone. However, I was able to see a shifting. So basically, the bricks weren't at the same height. So this is a sign that at some point there was a, a sediment of the foundation. So you have to ask yourself, how deep is it? You know, it wasn't a big, big difference, big gap between the other bricks. However, it was mentioned uh, in the report. You know, it's, it's always a question mark. What's going to happen in a few years? The brick was repointed 15 years ago, 20 years ago. That's a good indication that it's pretty stable. However, if recently done, we don't know. But uh, this building in particular, it, was, uh, it wasn't a big crack on the foundation. However, we saw the bricks, the shifting of the bricks. And we saw them also uh, from the garage. So this is a where we found cracks in the garage. It's always something that's going to be pointed out and some people get scared of foundation crack. You always have to question yourself. So basically, you have to question the client. You have to be more alert to uh, the wall finishes inside of the building, the flooring. If you see important clearance between the walls, the ceilings, uh, diagonal cracks, stuff like that that we look at carefully, very carefully when we see these, uh, these type of, uh, of cracks. You have also to question yourself, is the area more prone to have uh, issue sediment, soil issues? You know, I had a, a client before doing the inspection, she told me that uh, a friend of hers lived in the, in, the, in the same street and she has issue. She has to peer the, the foundation. So I went there. It was clearly visible there was an issue. I made a call, uh, an engineer. The engineer said basically the same thing as that I did tell her is basically we cannot tell you if it's going to move or shift again in the future years, in the five years, in 10 years. No one could tell you this. This is why so many peering company making a fortune, you know, right? Because uh, a lot of people want an ultimate solution. I have this issue. I don't want any issues in the future. What could I do? Well, you could only want to stabilize the foundation. And these are expensive work, but I don't believe in that solution being the best because it's so expensive. You could do other things. You could look uh, at the grading of the soil. So if the, you have uh, uh, you know, negative slopes, so all the water uh, directs into the, the foundation wall. So you, you have more chances of having issues like that. 
if you have asphalt all the way against the foundation, this also doesn't help because all the soil dries up. You don't have a lot of water. So having too much water is an issue. Not enough water is an issue. If you have a big, large tree plus asphalt, so a lot of issues, uh, you know, uh, that could cause uh, sediment of the foundation. Mm-hmm. So, so let's just unpack that a little bit because I think there's a um, thinking that this podcast is aimed for investors who actually want to do deals, want to avoid bad things, but are maybe willing to take on some kind of stuff that might scare people. And and you know, I I sort of put myself into that category. Like, I don't want to have to pile a building. That's you know, not something that. I'm interested in that's not uh, that's not where you know I don't want to spend the money I don't want to manage that uh, construction project so I'm not afraid of a few foundation cracks that are not scary but I think you know in your initial comments one of the things that you pulled out is when is a foundation crack scary and I think one of the things that you can do to assess that is to see how far up and how far in does it go so you know you mentioned the brick if if the brick has been repointed you know not too long ago or if it's been repointed a while ago and the crack doesn't follow all the way up into the brickwork it means that there's a settling in the foundation but it's not there's not been a huge movement so it's how far does the crack go up obviously the size, like the dimension, how wide is the crack? And then what do you see on the inside of the building? And I think um, what reassured us in this case, I think there were a few factors. So the first one was it didn't go all the way up the brick. On the inside, inside the units, we saw pretty much no settling whatsoever, um, even though the units like had not been touched in quite a while. So there was no cracked plaster. I even think that side of the foundation went into the garage. So even if there were to be a little bit of water infiltration, it's not like it's going into an apartment where it's going to create rot behind a wall that I can't see. So if the crack were ever to make it onto the inside of the foundation, I would see it. And if there's infiltration there, um, it's not the worst thing in the world if it's in the garage, right? So I just need to get a company to come inject the foundation crack to make sure that the infiltration stops there and then move on to the next thing. Exactly. And you know what? Foundation walls built in the 60s and up, they were more solid. They were more solid. There were protocols until the 50s. There was a lot of aggregate. So it's very more uh, more porous foundation. So more chances of having issues at that point. So you have to be careful. Uh, So like I said, the year of construction, how bad is it? You know, you have to look at signs. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's really more a science than anything. You have to question the owners. Uh, I question everybody when I'm doing the inspection. I question the the tenants. Uh, Were there any repairs? Uh, When was the last time uh, the walls were painted? When was the the walls, the ceiling uh, touched or the floors? So on and so on. You know, it's it's a thing that uh, scares people. So yeah, you have to... uh, Question yourself, what I think. Yeah. Enjoying the episode so far? Have you really been listening to the episode or has your monkey mind been taking you off in one direction or another? Our mental habits can be our biggest assets or our biggest liabilities as we pursue certain goals. For me, the biggest performance gains have always come from training my mind. In my book, Mindful Landlord, I talk about how you can train your mind and how you can apply some of these strategies to your journey in the real estate field. The book is available on Amazon and also on its website, mindfullandlord.com. Now I'll stop evangelizing for the power of mental training and let you get back to the show. Uh, and let me just, uh, just one more point also, you know, you think you mentioned also the part of the city, right? And I think that's like super important because anybody who's like looking at, you know, in Montreal, we talk about the plateau, 
You have, you know, Hoshalaga that's built on clay. You have different parts of the, you know, the west of the island, Lachine, Verdun, LaSalle, um, where there's some very humid ground. There's even like, you know, underground uh, rivers or something, which is the case with my, my, my principal residence, right? We have like a whole lot of water in the soil. So like it really knowing a little bit what kind of area you're in will also help you evaluate, you know, the gravity of some of the signs you see. And, you know, someone like Ralph is going to be able to help point that out because they've just seen so many of these things. They're just aware of, you know, the parts of the city where, where those things are at risk. So Foundation Crack in this case didn't scare me away. Um, what was the next bobo? Next, nothing scares you. <laughs> oh, that's not true. No, that's not true. If you, birds. If... <laughs> Should we talk about the birds, Ralph? <laughs> let's talk about let's talk about the birds. So this is I actually want to call this property the birdhouse because um, this is like right in my in my court with the management issues. Um, one of the units we went in there and there's a lot of birds in here, <laughs> so it's a two bedroom place. We and the told, tenant we were told that she had birds, but she uh... had birds. But like being told someone has birds and then you go into the unit and it's yeah. a two bedroom. And the birds are stacked three cages, one on top of the other, lining the entire apartment. Like there must be 150 birds in the unit, all yeah. chirping, all Crazy. pooping. <laughs> Don't disturb my birds. Don't disturb my birds. <laughs> so that's going to be a... I couldn't you know, use one my of... flashlight. <laughs> that's, she couldn't use the flashlight because you, you know? had to not scare the birds. Um, but so that's going to be, you know, item number one on my management list of what I'm going to attack uh, right after going to the notary, the, the birdhouse. But um, let's get back to building inspections because that's the manager's walkthrough. The manager's walkthrough is like, all right, birds, like where, what city inspector am I calling for this? <laughs> so there's uh, security issues like uh, the walkways, the porch and the frontage. These are pretty costly issues and uh, you don't want to call from uh, a tenant saying, uh, I tripped uh, this uh, winter. Plus it was going towards the retaining wall, uh, you know, where the, the garage was. So these were considerable uh, issues that you, you had to, to deal with, you know, as soon as possible. Basically, when you have this, these issues, it's a liability uh, issue. There were also the retaining walls in the back. I think two apartments in the basement, they had a rear access, retaining wall, and you had uh, the concrete slab, and it was all cracked. The retaining wall was leaning. This is a big issue, right? Because you're dealing with concrete. You have to remove the slab, pour another slab, remove the, the retaining wall. So these, you're preventing uh, access from the back to the tenants. So it's all issues that were pointed out. Mm -hmm. Now, when I see things that we, we've mentioned so far in this interview, um, obviously, Ralph, after the inspection, I called my mason who came and had a look at the, you know, the brickwork that you pointed out. In this specific case, he was like, ah, Terry, leave it for another five years. Oh, yeah. It's not a big deal. So <laughs> my mate, you know, when my when my mason says that, I actually believe him because I know he wants the contract. He wants to make money. He's like this. OK, yes, the job could have been better done. Yes, the mason cut corners and didn't pull down the wall. But like, it can stay like that. Oh, for sure. Now, we, we... of the of the issues that you mentioned, this business of the retaining walls, the cracked concrete, um, that is something that that, in my opinion, it, it needs to be addressed. And if I look at the you know kind of bigger ticket items potentially, like that's going to be minimum a 30, 30 to forty k job to reduce oh, yeah. some of that con concrete and rethink it to get. So what you want to think about is you want to get the slopes going away from the foundation so that you don't worsen foundation cracks that you make sure the water is going away 
Um, the tenant liability issues, like, you know, somebody twisting their ankle on the walkway because one of the interlocking tiles is in the wrong place. The chance that that comes back to bite you is relatively minor. Mm -hmm. um, but that being said, if you have any kind of code violations where which, which there was a, an issue with this that, you know, there was like an access into the back of the building and some window wells that were like kind of, you know, a risk for somebody maybe putting their foot into them. And so like those kind of safety issues are the sort of things that need to be rectified so that you don't have some kind of a liability issue. And, and there was even actually, a, you know, an insurance issue. The building did not pass a specific insurance inspection because one of the window wells, um, the insurer believed that it was in the footpath. And so somebody could just put their foot into it and they were concerned about that safety. So in that case, one would have to put in a guardrail or do something to just, you know, clean that issue up. Uh, well, you have to look also, it's a, it wasn't the busy street. If it, if it was a commercial building and it, it was on a, on a boulevard, you would get a fine. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, you, the, you know, the chances, yeah. the chances but, of that year yeah, are, exactly. are the minor. Property yeah. and, um, so, um, Ralph, I think we have time for like, unless you have some concluding words on, on, on this, I think we have time for one more thing. One more Should thing? we talk? Should we talk about um, the, the the technical space, like what uh, you know, potential yeah. pyrite or like the cracks in the in the in the slab, or what? What should we? Yeah, talk sure. About? Well, the building, like we said before, in in the sixties, uh, you know, the slab wasn't in good shape. There was uh, many cracks. Uh, it was settled, uh, you know, all around the the pit, the drain pit. When we see cracks like that, converging cracks that, that we call, so ma many cracks meeting one in uh, another. So basically it, it tells you that it heaves or it settled down. But most of the time we see a heaving slab. We will call this and say there might be a risk for pyrite. So it's, a, it's an older building. Normally there, there is some uh, research uh, about that, that after 30, 40 years, the backfill uh, settles. You know, it's, it becomes stable. However, the slab wasn't in a good shape. So even if, it, if it's stable, there's some work to be done. And also the drains under that slab, they were old. So it, the crack settled and the, the cast iron pipes are right under the slab. While there's chances of having issues, uh, we saw staining. So stains around the pit uh, and uh, on the drains as well. So these are good things to, to fix because uh, it's, it's a 70-year-old uh, property. At a certain point, the cast iron, it cracks on the, at the bottom of, uh, of the drain. And oftentimes, you, you won't see that there's an issue because all the dirt collects and uh, obstructs the, the crack. <laughs> but after a certain time, this doesn't, uh, doesn't stay like this forever, and uh, you have to change it. So I told you to uh, to have a budget to uh, to replace these drains at the same time fix the you know replace mm -hmm. maybe the slab because it's in all in this area. So uh, yeah, so so let's just let's just unpack that a little bit because I think like you know for you who's who always has your head into these kind of issues, we know yeah. exactly what you're talking about. But um, I think for some of our listeners might not be as experienced as we are. So you know when he's talking about the drain, he's talking about the. Um, central uh oh i think i'm gonna say the sanitary drain so the drain the, um, uh, so like the 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 main four inch pipe that uh, collects uh you know either the rainwater or the sanitary water that goes out of the building and so the typical pattern you see in these older properties is that they will have changed the sections that were easy to get to so often up into the units uh that cast iron pipe that's you know over 50 years old has cracked 
And so they'll have replaced some of it or they'll have replaced the parts that go into the kitchen because they had access to that. The part that people don't replace, like you said, is the part that goes into the foundation slab or the, the slab of the, um, in this case, the garage, because that involves you breaking the concrete, which is expensive, and then going underneath to address a problem that's kind of buried, really. And so this is like a very typical deferred maintenance thing when you see like a cast iron pipe that's corroded, it's rusted, um, and it goes down underneath a cracked slab in a garage or in a basement somewhere. That's like a typical call that you might have some plumbing problems underneath a floor like that, that you're going to need to address. You're going to need to get the jackhammer in, open it up, lay some new, um, new piping, probably also put in a, a, you know, a backwater valve because, you know, I, uh, they, I just got off the phone with the insurance this morning. They were asking me if I have a back, backwater valve. I actually went into your report, Ralph, to see if there was one. I don't think there was. There was one. There was one? Yeah. Oh, I got to call my insurer back. <laughs> um, so that's it. So, and then that becomes an opportunity well, for only you. Only for that drain, though. Only yeah, for that the, drain. The, the, in the pit, in the garage. And um, just to, to also close the loop on the whole um, the pyrite thing. So that actually really scared me because, so just for our listeners who don't fully understand uh, pyrite, it's that some of the backfill that was used or some of the concrete that was used before had these particles, pyrite particles in them that as the foundation cracks with time, you water infiltrates and then you get cracking because it basically means that the concrete that was used wasn't super stable. And so this, what was explained to me after this, when I was like, I was almost going to not buy the building because I was afraid of pyrite and I wanted to get a pyrite test and the, and the sellers refused. Wow. Um, and then it was actually my broker who kind of talked me out of it and was like, Terry, like there's no pyrite in the foundation right? Like in the foundation itself, we're talking about the slab that was poured underneath the garage. And so the slab's in bad shape. The foundation's just fine, aside from the one crack that we mentioned. And so the risk of what the downside of a problem there would be is that you're going to have a floor of your garage that's cracking. It's already cracked, so it's not going to get much worse than it is. And when I have to redo the drainage, if it's confirmed that it's pirate and I want to do something about it, I can pull out some of the backfill, redo it, and then put a, put a slab of concrete back on top of it. But I mean, that's also, it's going to destabilize my building. It's just going to make it oh. that my garage floor is in less good shape than it should be. Yeah, exactly. Honestly, uh, pirate issues, uh, very rare occasions, uh, it goes on and uh, disturb, disturb the foundation itself of the, of the building. It's, uh, it's mostly an aesthetic issue. Um, yeah, but you, it's, it's something that you have to declare. That's the only thing, mm -hmm. right? And it's, I learned actually in this transaction, I learned that it's not something to be extremely afraid of because I think in like, you know, I, I do also have a broker's license and in my work as a, as a broker, like, um, you know, you're talking about mostly single family homes, like in the South Shore or Laval or something. And everyone's like, oh, pyrite, like end of the world. It's like asbestos. It means we're going to have to do like some kind of a crazy job to get rid of it. But I discovered in this transaction that like, what's the worst downside, especially when it's like, you know, the slab of your garage, like. <laughs> I saw a building, a 2014 building in Kondiak that had the pyrite recently. 2014. Yeah. Wow. Still has pyrite. Yeah. Imagine. yeah. Well, that's like, we're not even going to get into the, the whole. Because there's then in, in Trois-Rivières, for example, which is the other market I invest in, there's the whole pyrotite thing. And that's actually yeah. really quite serious. But like, let's leave that um, yeah. for that discussion for another time. 
Um, so I don't know if there's some way we can sort of conclude this. I mean, Ralph, like whenever we finish an inspection together, like there's always this like funny moment when I'm like, Ralph, should I buy this building? <laughs> so what would you, what, what's your answer? Oh, well, listen, you're an investor. That's something else, right? You have to look at, you know, uh, how much the building uh, gives you at the end, the, the, the cash flow, if there's any, uh, the, the future value. Uh, but if it's a residential property, it's something else. People are, you know, they put their heart into it. They're going to live in the property. If there's some work to be done, they'll be right there in the mess. All the buildings that I do, the, when it's an investor, when I see they're scared, I'll tell them, get somebody, get a quote, try to discuss about uh, the, the finding with uh, the seller. All the, the properties, they have a potential. So it might be the building for you, but they all have a potential. And do you want to dig in or not? Right. And is it and is it gonna be? Is it a good investment to dig in? Right. Because exactly. you know that's especially like we're talking about you know like investing in in Montreal, right? Like some of the sub markets around around Montreal, there's a more recent constructions that there's maybe less deferred maintenance. But like if you're investing in Montreal and you're looking to find good deals the name of that game is deferred maintenance. And it's because the owners have been milking those properties for the last 30, 40, 50 years without mm -hmm. investing what they would need to invest to bring the building systems up to, you know, something stable or something beautiful or where it should be. And so as you're going through, you're trying to assess what maintenance do I need to do? What has come to the end of its life? What can live another five years? I mean, I think this is also another good rule of thumb, right? Like, when we get done with an inspection, what I want to know is I'm signing a mortgage term for three years, four years, five years, and I want to know my, so my, I don't think any further than that. And I think in the next five years of ownership, if I'm signing a mortgage for five years, what am I going to have to do? And that then becomes part of my budgeting, part of my negotiation. What's beyond that term is another decision because once my mortgage comes up for renewal, I'm going to sit down, look at the state of the building what it's worth and be like, okay, am I going to extend my mortgage or is this the time for me to liquidate and get out? So it's also, you know, a question of evaluating what expenses am I going to have to incur and what is the duration of life of this particular system? Um, and what am I going to have to inject capital to bring it up to speed? Yeah. And the building that we, we did, it's mostly the retaining wall, right? In the yeah. back and the yeah. You focus in, uh, on that problem and uh, you negotiate it. You know. And uh, and then and then buy the building and ride it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, Ralph, um, I want to thank you for spending this time with me, um, taking the time to go through some of this stuff with our audience. I think, um, you know, again, in this in this climate of deferred maintenance in Montreal, like the issues that we talked about today, I think on every single inspection, with the exception of maybe the landscaping, these things come up on every single inspection. There's always brick. There's always plumbing. Sometimes there's roofing, there's always balconies, there's always slopes. So, you know, once you learn how to assess that and, and you know, have a language that you can work with your inspector on those issues, you're going to get an appreciation. Oh, the foundation cracks as well. Like there's always foundation cracks. So like, are they scary cracks or are they not scary cracks? You know, these are, I think, some of the main issues that, that come up again. So I want to uh, thank you for sharing that knowledge with our audience. What's the best way for people to reach out to if they want to learn more, if they want to hire you as, as their uh, building inspector or someone from your team? Uh, well, it's a website, uh, inspexia.com or the office number 514-944-7253. So we'll be, sure, 
We'll be, we'll be sure to drop that in the show notes after. Uh, Ralph also has an Instagram page. I know he tries to post a bunch of videos of some of the funny, scary, interesting things that he sees on inspection. And one we'll be sure to drop the Instagram link in our uh, show notes as well. Yeah, perfect. And there's going to be a training soon also for real estate brokers, investors. Great. Okay. Yeah. Some, some education coming up. All right, Ralph. Well, thank right. you so much. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, remember to give us a rating, leave a comment, subscribe, and share. You can find Terry at terryshower.com. Her book, Mindful Landlord, is available on Amazon. You can also follow her on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. JP is the president of the Real Estate Investors Club. You can learn more about the club's networking and educational activities on Facebook by searching for Real Estate Investors Club. Look to the show notes to find information on our guests and links to material mentioned in the episode.